Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. How are you guys doing? Yeah. Good to see you guys. If you're a guest, I especially want to welcome you here. Glad to have you here. Happy New Year, everyone. I want to highlight the two things you just heard about. First of all, right after the third service today, about 2 o'clock is our first step. So if you're new to Grace Life, uh, maybe even today's your first time, you want to know more about us, or you've been coming here for a few weeks, a few months. And sometimes we always get somebody who's been coming here for a few years. So hey, if that's you, it's okay. You won't be the first person to, to come to Grace Life or to come to First Step after being at Grace Life a little while. Uh, the point is, I want to encourage you to come on out, find out who we are, what we believe, what we do, why we do it, and all of those other questions, any question you can come up with, also allows me a chance to get to know you better, you get to know me better, we'll have a great time, free lunch, free child care, so right after the third service. Uh, and then there was another announcement talking about our upcoming week of prayer and fasting, and it gave you all of the what. I want to give you the why. See, we're, we're starting off a new year, and, and we do this twice a year because there are really two times a year that, that we want to kind of get things back on track. One is right now. And uh, the other one is kind of halfway through the year, you go on your vacations, you go through the summer, you're a little tired, you're a little exhausted, we start a new school year. So we'll do another one in August, we'll talk about that then. But the reason I'm, I'm talking about it today is because next Sunday is when we kick off this week of prayer and fasting. And uh, sometimes people miss it, and they come back the following week and go, man, I hate that we missed that. So look, we've got our date set. I told you back in August to, to be here on January 12th, and I'm telling you now, I'll be here next week if at all possible. One of the things that we do that makes it special is that on every chair when you come in next week, there will be a card. And on that card, we're going to ask you to write down the number one thing you think God needs to do in your life, you want God to do in your life, you are asking God to do in your life. And we're going to join you, and we're going to be praying for you every time we come together. Uh, it's, it's a really special time as we see people uh, setting aside either food or, or TV or Facebook or whatever it is that, that God will challenge you to fast and set aside so that you can put a greater focus on him. That's really all there is to it. I want to let you know, by the way, if you're saying, man, what is fasting? This is, this is weird. This is new. Uh, just go to our website or our app. We've got a whole uh, page of resources, things that I've preached before, some little Q&A things that we've done, and, and that'll help you understand what we'll be doing next week. So I also just want to go ahead and say, see if you can set aside some of those prayer times to come and join us. You know, we've got early morning. We've got one on Monday night, only one at night. And uh, that's going to tell us who the real spiritual people are because it is the exact same time as the national championship game. But we figured, you know, here in Columbia with the Gamecocks, we were pretty safe to kind of do that. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Okay, anyway, so with that said, I'm leaving. All right. Just kidding. Uh, so anyway, look, next week, great week. Be praying about what you would want to, to put on that card, what you would want us to stand in prayer with, and uh, also just maybe how God would have you fast through the week. Uh, we leave it up to everybody because this is not a cult. So we let you do whatever God puts on your heart and however you want to seek him. That's, uh, that's what we're after. So hope you're looking forward to that and hope to see you here next Sunday as we kick off our week of prayer and fasting. For today, uh, though, I've got a very good friend of mine who I've known for about a decade. So as we're starting off a new decade, I've spent most of the last decade with this guy, uh, pastor, great friend of mine, who is now on our staff, our newest staff member, newest pastor, Chuck Hill. Some of you may know him. If you would, help me welcome Chuck Hill to the stage, everybody. 
Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? And happy new year. Who's excited that it's 2020 and we got a brand new decade? Okay, so like three people. I mean, come on. So all of our motivated people come to first service. I see, I see. Hey, it's so good to be with you. Thank you for having me today. Um, before I get started, let me just thank Pastor Jimmy again. Um, thank you for the relationship and how you poured into my life and how you've mentored me over these last years. And thank you for this opportunity to be here. Pastor Jimmy, you rock. And if, if you agree with me, give him a quick round of applause. One other real quick thing before we get started, you notice on your chair there should have been a card uh, advertising next week's sermon series. Now, my hope is that what I can do today is just kind of get everyone prepared for what God wants to do in your heart starting in this next series, because it's going to be great. If you've ever asked that question, why me, it's going to be a wonderful four weeks. So grab that card, take it with you, and invite somebody and bring them with you next week. Cool? Awesome. Um, so anyways, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Pastor Jimmy told you that um, I've been on staff here for almost two months, and we have just loved being here at Grace Life and getting to know each of you guys and, and seeing how God started to do some new things in our heart and life. Uh, but I'm married to the love of my life, Maggie. We've been married. We have made it for 10 years, y'all, like just over 10 years. So there's a big victory that we celebrated this past year. Um, we have two kids, Valentina and Chase. They are nine and seven. And Chase, his name works on like two different levels. It's not just a nickname. It's reality of life uh, right now. <laughs> so we just love that. Um, our family, our big thing, our big hobby is we love to travel. Uh, my wife and I have been in about 30-something countries together. And she, last Christmas, she hit a home run with the gift. She actually got me the scratch-off map so I can scratch off the places that we've been. And we just love that. Outside of that, I like to build things, work with my hands a little bit. Hey, there's my little guys, my family. Love those. Um, love to work with my hands. Um, and the funny thing about me, I'm also a major geek. Um, I've had people describe me as a church nerd. Like anything to do with church and systems and stats and all that, yeah, I'm that, I geek out over that. So love doing that. But anyway, enough about me. We're in a new year, and I get to kick it off today. And uh, you notice how at this point in the year, culturally, we tend to like kind of reset, right? And we start looking toward the new year with some vision. Uh, anybody got some resolutions or goals? It's just this natural point in time where we start to have a new outlook on what's ahead, so what I want to do is I want to talk to you this morning about the power of perspective. Now, if you've been around a little bit, you know that perspective can make a pretty big difference between something being a challenge and something being an opportunity. The difference between something being just a speed bump and a roadblock. Now, in my life, I've experienced a few of those. One of those moments um, was when I was 19 years old. I was a youth pastor uh, doing a missionary assignment in Vienna, Austria, and uh, I was having a hard time getting a visa. So I would have to leave the European Union every three months so I could renew, renew my tourist visa and stay there legally. Well, on one of these little mini trips, um, myself, two other Americans, and my new girlfriend, spoiler, I married her later, um, we decided to go down to Croatia and uh, do our little trip that way. And we stayed on this little, in this little coastal town on the Mediterranean Sea. Beautiful thing, just a quick overnight trip. Um, so we drove on down there. We checked into the hostel that we were staying in. And as soon as the, our other two companions went to bed, 
uh, Maggie and I snuck out of the hotel. You know, what do you do when you're young and in love? You sneak out. And then we went and found a beach, a nice rocky beach, and we just sat on the beach watching the ships go by under the star and moonlight. Perfect. And she thought this was all planned. Like, no, that was just complete spontaneity. And we actually had our first conversation there talking about our desire to eventually get married. And then it happened. I got my very first kiss, not just with her, but of my life, all right? <laughs> it was amazing. I was like on top of the world. Like I just had discussion about marriage, so this is going in the right direction. Things in my ministry were going well. Had my first kiss, dude. I was like on top of the world. Nothing could shut that down. And then the next day happened. We were driving uh, back up to Austria, and the border for the European Union at that point was where Slovenia and uh, Croatia met. And we pull up to the immigration control booth, hand them our passports. And if you've ever traveled to Europe, when they see the American passport, you either get waved on through or a quick stamp, and there you go. Well, that normal 30-second process started to drag on a little bit. And all of a sudden, the officer, we saw him wave some other officers over. Like, okay, that's, that's weird. <laughs> we're sitting there. And then we see them do another wave. And then somebody who looked like they were large and in charge came over. And they kept looking at our passports, looking at us, looked at our license plate. And we're like, okay, something's not right here. And then we see them picking up the phone. And they're, like, reading information off our stuff. And, you know, that kind of stuff will get your blood pressure going just a little bit, right? And then we got asked to pull over. To make a really long story short, we sat at the border for four hours and ended up with a big, fat deportation stamp in our passports. I remember turning around there, driving back into Croatia. That high that I just had became a very low low. I felt trapped. All the thoughts going through my head were, I'm not even going to get to marry the girl now because she's going back to Austria, and I can't even get in. My ministry is going to fall apart. Do I have to go back to the States? How am I going to afford this? I mean... My perspective shifted in a very negative way very quickly. Now, I would guess, just an educated guess, that some of you guys have had some things like that in your life that totally knocked you off track, totally took you out of the game, and made you lose sight of that thing which you were trying to accomplish. Now, I hope that you're looking at this next year with excitement and great expectation about what God wants to do in your life. I hope that you have some great goals and even some great New Year's resolution, and you're ready to run forward in 2020 and really make it your best year yet. But one thing I know is that at some point, something's going to happen that will give us an opportunity to lose our focus, that will distract us, that can get us off point. In fact, U.S. News did a little study on New Year's resolutions. You know what they found? 80% of our New Year's goals and resolutions fail before February. Anybody else experience that? Please tell me I'm not the only one. All right. Another university found that only 8% of them succeed, period. That's crazy. You know, it reminds me what my good friend Mike Tyson told me one time. He said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Does that not describe life well? The thing is, no matter how noble, no matter how great, no matter how excited you are about what's coming up this year, we're going to face some difficulty, we're going to face some challenges, we're going to face some circumstances that are completely out of our control. But if we continue just to view life through the lens of our struggle, 
Life can turn into a nightmare rather than a journey and an adventure that God intends it to be. Uh, today, I want to look at the story of Paul just a little bit more. I know Brandon talked about him a little bit last year, so if you, or last, it was last year, last week. Um, and so you have some context if you were here then. But Paul, man, he was one of my favorite people in all of God's word. Now, this guy knew something about adventure, but he knew something about hardships too. And if you look through the New Testament, you will see this guy knew how to take a beating and get back up. There was nothing that could knock Paul down that he wouldn't just spring back from. What was it in Paul's life? I think it was a lot about the perspective he had. Now, later on in his time, um, doing his missionary journeys and ministry life, he was called to go preach the gospel in Rome. And not just Rome, but to Caesar himself. Now, how many of you know that's a pretty big deal? Like, if God called you to go to Washington, D.C. and preach the gospel to Trump, that's a big deal. That's a big goal. So Paul starts this journey by getting beat up. He gets, starts this journey by being thrown into prison. Good start, right? It's falsely accused, has a sham trial. Then he's got to get on a boat to go to Rome, right? And he gets shipwrecked like twice. And while he's shipwrecked, he gets bit by a viper. I mean, he goes through hardship after hardship after hardship, pursuing this goal and vision that God had given him. So he finally gets to Rome after going through all of this. Now, maybe you've been there too, where you just put up with stuff and put up with it and go through it and go through it, and you've been faithful and faithful and faithful, and you finally get right to that place where you think you're going to accomplish it, and we think it's going to get easy, right? Like, we've done my part. All right, there is the red carpet. Let's go. What does Paul find when he gets to Rome? When Paul gets there, all he finds is more chains. All of the hardships that he endured to get there, all of the faithfulness that he had put in, he gets to Rome and finds himself put under house arrest, chained to a Roman guard 24-7. The dude couldn't even go to the restroom without taking that guard with him. All of that to be put in chains again. Maybe you've been there in your life before. You've just pressed on and pressed on and pressed on. And right when you think it's going to get better, or right when you think that breakthrough is around the corners, all of a sudden something else comes and changes you down. That's just the way life goes sometimes. Maybe right now you're carrying some chains into this new year. Maybe you've been weighed down by the chains of depression. Maybe you have that kid that you just can't figure it out with. Maybe you've struggled with not having a job. But whatever that thing is, sometimes what we find is just more chains await us. Now, in Paul's case, what I find completely crazy is in that prison, in those chains, he writes what I consider to be the most hope-filled, encouraging letter that we see in the entire New Testament. And that we know today is the book of Philippians. If you've ever read Philippians, you can just see Paul's joy in the midst of those circumstances that were beyond his control. 
How can we get to that spot as we continue to press forward and we try to accomplish things in our life, if we, as we try to pursue the call that God put on our life, how can we get to that spot where we can have that perspective that even though it may not be going right, even though we may have found some new chains we weren't expecting, that we can still press on and look forward and strive to the things which God has called us to. You see, Paul didn't allow his chains to shape his perspective of his circumstances, but rather he saw his chains in light of his God-given purpose. This morning, I want you to be encouraged knowing that God has a plan and he has a purpose and he has a calling on your life. So to look at that, I want to go through just a few verses in Philippians chapter 1, and I want you to just start to see a small glimpse of how Paul had a completely different perspective than what we would expect if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Philippians 1.12, or you can do like I do and follow along on the screen. So let's start off. We're going to go 12 through 14 real quick. Paul writes, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to anyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Now, first thing that we see that Paul writes, again, he's in these chains, is he doesn't see them as an inconvenience, but rather he sees them as a tool to be used to further his goal, to further the message of the gospel. Now, yeah, this trial is not what he would have preferred. It's not of his own desire, but he's seeing something beyond just his own comfort, beyond just his situation. He's seeing how God is using his faithfulness to encourage other and keep the goal moving forward. You know, God will do stuff through us when we are willing to stay faithful in hard circumstances. You know, the little inconveniences that we have, if we don't allow them to distract us from what we're trying to do, God can do something big in that. You know that annoying HOA letter you get? That can be an easy distraction. You know, that kid down the street who never picks up his dog's poop, all right? That can be a distraction that gets us off track. But when we have the right perspective and see that in the midst of those inconveniences, God can do something through us if we allow him to. Paul goes on. We're going to skip over to verse 19. He says, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain." See, Paul, as he writes this, he understands something. Because the Holy Spirit lives in him and because people are lifting him up in prayer, his deliverance is coming. One way or another, it's on the way. It's not a question of if. It is a question of when. Now, he doesn't get caught up in his own comfort. He doesn't get caught up in his desire for the change to be gone. But his concern in the middle of it is that God is glorified. When's the last time you or I, when we had some inconvenience in our life, or maybe we were going through a pretty hard struggle, that our first thought is, how's God going to get the glory through this? 
that's not my first thought. A couple weeks ago when I was out at, at, um, out at Office Depot, I was backing out, and then we got, I got into a little fender bender with somebody, and I mean, that's relatively a minor thing, but that took my focus off of everything that I needed to be focusing on, and my first thought wasn't, God, how can you use this to be glorified? The fact of the matter is, Paul knew that regardless of where he was at, it was an opportunity to give God glory, and he just kept that right at the front of his mind. He allowed his perspective to be shaped by what God could and would do, and that he would get the glory. He goes on in verse 22. He says, If I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Again, Paul's concern wasn't for his own comfort and not for his own convenience, but it was for others, that they could grow and that they could persevere and that they could continue to know the love of Jesus. He understands he gets the best deal either way. Either God's going to supernaturally deliver him or he gets to go home. But in any case, his focus isn't on himself. It's on other people. Again, Paul had a different perspective than what we naturally have as human beings. Now, if you were to read this whole chapter, there's so many other nuggets that are just really mind-blowing about the perspective that Paul was able to have in this Roman house arrest prison, chained to a guard. So how is it that you and I can start to shape and mold our perspective in a way that regardless of what life throws at us, we can continue pushing forward with passion and joy and peace in the midst of every storm? So what I want to do is I want to take a few moments that we have left together, and I want to talk to you. How do we shape our perspective? First thing I want to point out that we can see from Paul's life is that our perspective is shaped by our view of the past. Now, whether we like it or not, the way we view things has a large um, effect by how we view the past. Our past hurts, our past struggles, our past victories and successes, all of that gives us a lens in which we view the future. See, Paul, when he looked at what was going on, he saw something differently because of how he viewed the past. Now, remember verse 19, he said, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. How is it that Paul can make that statement? He doesn't have a choice that he's in prison and enchained. It's not like he can just walk out of there and say, I did my time, peace, not at all. So how can he say that so confidently? Because Paul can look back at God's faithfulness and how God has done it and know that God is able to do it and know that he's going to do it again. You see, when you go through the book of Acts and you go through Paul's other letters, again, you see a lot of hardship. But what I want you to notice the next time you read that is Paul isn't just waddling in the mud and talking about how hard this was or how that is. He focuses on what God did it. 
He didn't talk so much about the pain as much as he talked about the healing. He didn't talk so much about the battle as he talked about the victory. He didn't just keep complaining about how hungry he was again and again and again, but he celebrated God's provision in his life. Man, he could have complained all day and night about the roadblocks that he just kept coming against again and again and again, but he didn't complain. What he did was point it to how God made a way when there seemed to be no other way. You see, you and I, when we face things, how we view the past informs the perspective that we have to look at what's going on now and what's going to happen. You see, if we just take, when we come against something, if we just pause and we start to reflect back on our life and we look at those times where God's hand has moved already, that starts to build our faith for today. Maybe you've had a financial struggle and you've remained faithful to the Lord and tithe and, and gave in offerings. And God came through. And when you come against that again, you remember how God did it then. And that builds your faith to do it today. Maybe you've wrestled with the chains of cancer in your family. Maybe you've seen God do a miraculous healing. Or maybe you've seen God give peace that passes all understanding in that circumstance. Maybe you've had a struggle that the Holy Spirit gave you a joy that gave you strength to press through. Regardless of what it is, when we start looking at our past struggles... And we look not just at the struggles, but we start to look at God's faithfulness through it. That gives us a perspective to know that God is faithful. He was faithful. And he's going to continue to be faithful in our lives today. Now, I know I'm not the only one that worries about money sometimes. All right, anybody else with me? And I know it's January. We're getting those credit card bills right now. Every time that I worry about money, the Holy Spirit just starts to remind me of those times again and again and again where he made a way for us. One of the times that I remember and always am encouraged by was during our first year of marriage. We felt the Holy Spirit prompt us to give our last 200 euros to a project at our home church. And understand, we were like poor. We couldn't afford to heat our apartment in that cold European winter. Like we would scrounge for firewood. That's how poor we were. And, but the Holy Spirit said, I want you to give that. So we did, out of faith. And the, you know what happened the next week? Found out my wife had to quit her job for medical reasons. How's that? But what's crazy is on her last paycheck she got, her boss doubled the amount, and it was the exact amount we needed to hold us over until I could find a job. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the hand of God right there. There's not many employers who are going to double your paycheck. And whenever I'm getting a little worried about money, that's one of the stories that I look back and say, hey, I ain't broke like I was then. God's good, and he's done it. He's going to do it, and he's going to do it again. Come on, somebody. When we look at God's faithfulness, it builds our faith for today. See, when our chains demand that we give them all their focusness, what we need to do is we rem need to remind them of God's faithfulness in our past. So first thing that we're going to do, we're going to shape our perspective by how we're going to look at the past and what God's done. But then we need to shape our perspective by the goal at hand. What are we trying to accomplish right now? See, when we're looking forward at the goal and we're looking at the reward that it brings, that shapes the perspective that we have when it comes to pressing through. I, I, I'm just going to be honest, I don't do this, but I know many of you do. Why do you get up in the morning and go to the gym? Just saying, I don't do it. I mean, don't judge me. But, 
Why do some of y'all do that? Why do you get up early and sweat and work out like that? Because of the reward. You can be healthy. You can lose weight. You can feel better. All right? What helps you to keep pressing through on those early mornings? It's keeping that perspective of what's the end goal. What are you going to accomplish? Paul had a pretty simple and easy, straightforward goal. I don't know about easy, but his goal was to tell as many people as he could about the goodness of Jesus, to present the gospel to anyone and everyone he met. And Paul would do anything possible to do that. Because that goal was possible, there was no chains that were going to hold him back. Remember what he said in verse 14. He said, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. See, he didn't see the chains as a setback, but he saw it as an extra opportunity to do what he was called to do. Remember, Paul was chained to a guard, okay, 24-7. And historians say that that guard would have been changed, changed out every four hours. Now, can you imagine, Paul, with him having that singular focus so much to tell people about Jesus? Every four hours, he got a new opportunity to share Jesus with somebody. That wouldn't have been my way of thinking. I'm just going to be honest. But that's what he saw. Every four hours, the Roman government was facilitating the spreading of the gospel from his prison cell. How cool is that? It's awesome. He kept it in mind. He didn't see a challenge. He saw an opportunity. Listen to me, somebody. Maybe your chains aren't holding you back from your goal. Maybe it's what's anchoring you to it. Life is going to be hard sometimes. We're all going to face these challenges. The question is, can we see the opportunity in the challenge? How many parents do we have in the room? That is one of God's biggest challenges that he gives us, amen? <laughs> Whew. In my nine years of being a parent, I have a few stories, and I know that many of you guys have my story beat. You know what I'm talking about. It can be hard. The goal, though, isn't just to make it through these 18 years. The goal is that we're raising little world changers who are going to make a difference for Jesus in this world. And when we remember the goal of what we're doing, that we're not just getting through it so that we can be free again, we're making a difference. We're raising world changers. That changes how we look at those fights. That changes how we react when we're dealing with those tough things with our kids or our marriages. That can be another challenge, can't it? But again, the goal isn't to be right all the time. The goal isn't to just manage. What's the goal? Men, to love your wife as Christ loves the church. And that's a pretty big goal, isn't it? But when we keep that goal in mind, now we see these opportunities for growth, these communication sessions differently. It's not about us being right. It's about us loving our wives, right, men? When we keep the goal in mind, that changes everything. Maybe it's that job that just seems to be a dead end. But when we know that God has a plan and purpose in that for us, we can keep pressing forward. So our perspective shaped by how we view the past. It's shaped by the goal and the reward at hand. But our perspective is also shaped by our purpose. I'm a firm believer that God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. That you are not a mistake. You were not born on accident. That God uniquely wired you and designed you to make a big difference in this world. And when we connect with that God-given purpose that he has for us, let me tell you, that changes the game for us. 
That changes everything about how we look at situations. That changes the game about how we plan and move forward and how we make our decisions. One of the most powerful ways that we shape our perspective in life is to understand the purpose that God has given us. So many great things in history have been accomplished by people who knew what they were born to do. People who were willing to lay everything on the line because they knew that God wanted to use them in a big way. It's the same thing with Paul. His purpose in life that he connected to was to bring God glory in and through every single circumstance. And because of that, all of these things weren't just inconveniences. They weren't just struggles. They weren't just bad circumstances. They were all a place and a platform where he could worship God, where he could give him the glory for it. Paul didn't see it as a problem. He saw it as an opportunity to praise. See, all of us, when we start to connect with our God-given purpose, it may look a little different for each of us, but it's every bit as empowering and invigorating when we catch on to that. See, for me, I've had a little bit of experience with this. When uh, at the end of, of last year, or end of 2018, beginning of 2019, rather, my wife and I were at a point where we had to make one of the most difficult and hard and painful decisions of our life. We were pastoring at another church, and we knew that the Lord had called us to go plant a church in Austria, back in Vienna. Problem was, we didn't know how. We didn't even, weren't even sure of the timeline. Uh, we were, there were just so many unknowns, but we felt the Lord saying, our time was up where we were at. And can I be honest? I didn't like that. I didn't like it at all. I didn't have a job to go to. That, that was my only source of income. And it, how does that even make sense, God, to like step out of ministry when we're supposedly we're called to this other place? And we wrestled, and it came to a point where we had to be obedient or disobedient. We remembered God's faithfulness, so we said, okay, God, this is what you're saying. We're just going to give it to you, and we're going to go. And we stepped out in faith. And it looked a lot different than what we had planned. I ended up doing some remodeling work and uh, rehabbed a, a whole Section 8 housing complex. And I can tell you, I had some rough days. Now, I had some good days working with my hands. That was fun. It was a different pace. And God really used that as a way to provide for us. But man, I had days where I was changing out the most nasty toilets you can imagine. I was cleaning roach guts out of receptacles. I mean, I probably inhaled more mold than is humanly possible. I mean, I had some rough days. What was it that kept me going, though, that kept me pushing forward? God kept saying, I'm doing something here you don't understand yet. I'm developing you for something that you don't even understand yet. And I still don't understand all the struggles that I went through in that, but I know for a fact that when I look back at that, God was doing a deep work in my heart and soul, that he was preparing us for the right next step, for the right next thing. You see, if we can pivot our view of our circumstances from pity to purpose, it can give us the resolve not just to endure, but to embrace what's going on, knowing and trusting that God has a plan and purpose for it. When Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, they knew 
about how hard Paul had had it. They had seen Paul be locked in the prison in Philippi. They'd seen Paul praise and worship God in the chains. And they had seen God send an earthquake and bust Paul out. See, Paul had seen the hand of God. He knew that God had a purpose in his life. It wasn't a question of if God could do it. It was a question of when God was, was going to do it. And that gave Paul the trust to know that if God hasn't done it yet, there's a reason for me going through what I'm going through right now. That God's using this for something. I may not understand it, but God's developing me. He's up to something I can't see because I know he can do it. When will he do it? See, if we can start to mold and shape our perspective in a different way than what's natural to us, if we can continue to look back in our life and see God's hand of faithfulness, if we can continue to look at the goal and the reward at hand, and more so if we can look at the purpose and the calling that God has on our life, that changes everything about how we view the struggles and the circumstances that we're gonna go through. What I want you to understand is that correct perspective develops powerful perseverance in our lives. When we start to develop that, it gives us the strength and the motivation to be able to continue moving forward. Because the truth is, we're gonna experience some struggle on the way. The question is, is it gonna be a road bump or a road block? Is it gonna be something that trips us up or keeps us moving forward? All of us need that in our life to know that God's in control. I want every one of you in here to start just asking the Lord to give you that perspective to get you through what this next year has, what this next decade has, what the rest of our life has. Because I believe that he has something powerfully, powerful that he wants to do in your life and through your life. But we've got to make the choice. Are we going to be more concerned about our own comfort and our own convenience? Or are we going to be more concerned about what God's trying to do in us and through us? It's a choice we make. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Again, I want all of us to develop that correct perspective and develop that perseverance. And I'm gonna pray over our church family, everyone in here in just a moment. But before I do that, I wanna give you an opportunity. If you're in here this morning and you haven't yet made Jesus your king, let me tell you, that's the one thing before we do anything else that will change everything about your perspective and everything about your life. So we believe that Jesus came he lived a perfect life. He died a sinner's death and he rose again to life so that you and I can have a relationship with him. All of these things that we go through, we already have the victory because of what Jesus did. And when we become sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, let me say it again, it changes everything. That's you, I wanna give you that opportunity to come home this morning, to invite Jesus into your life. So I'm gonna lead us in a prayer and if that's you, again, I want you to just pray this prayer in your heart and invite him in right now. Jesus, we thank you so much for this moment. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you came to this earth, that you lived and died and rose again for us. Jesus, right now I come to you and I confess I've done some things I'm not proud of. Lord, I confess I've sinned against you, but right now I invite you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and I ask that you would restore my heart and my soul and that you would empower me 
to live for you. Jesus, today I choose to make you my Lord and my King. And Lord, right now we also, we pray for our entire church family right now. God, I pray for every single man, woman, and child in here. God, I know that you have a plan and that you have a purpose for every single life. And Lord, I pray that right now that we would shake off the chains and the shackles of the situations and the struggles and the inconveniences of our life. And God, that we'd be able to grab on and hold on to that which you have called us to. Father, I ask that you would help our perspectives to be molded and shaped by who you are, what you say about us, God, what you are calling us to, not what the enemy throws against us, not what this life has. God, would you help us to have a perspective that gives us the power to continue to persevere and do everything and more that you have called us to do. Jesus, we love you, and we pray that you would get all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.